But today's topic, gentlemen, is the intersection of classical music and jazz. Uh, highly intriguing. Which one of you guys wants to go first on that? I'll let Mike go. All right. Well, I'll get it started by turning it over to Kevin. No. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Win <laughs> no, podcast. <laughs> no, I, I you know, if we did that for the whole 60 minutes, it could go viral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, this is a... a a topic that we've been working on a little bit. Kevin and I are working on uh, putting a, a nonfiction uh, book together. And the the underlying theme of the book is the life lessons that learning music teaches you. They, we have built it around sort of three concepts. Um, uh, cooperation, uh, self-reliance, and uh, discipline. And how those, how you learn, you have to learn those things you have to master those things to to learn to play music well and uh so one of the chapters that uh we've worked on in developing our initial book proposal uh was this where jazz and classical collide and um it really uh the actual title of the chapter is called fake it till you make it <laughs> okay <laughs> And and so you know, the 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 concept from from my perspective, I've always thought of the difference between the major difference between jazz and classical is is classical music. You play the notes that are written on the page. Now the distinction between you and maybe a, a, a different player is how you interpret those notes. But you never vary from the page. You never wander from the page. Whereas jazz, you don't. You have changes, and you know the melody, and you play it. In fact, you play it different every time you play it. Yeah. I mean, usually the way I describe it to students, and making very clear, I'm not establishing one as better than the other. But the difference is, if you go hear the Land Symphony play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, whoever is singing second violin, you don't know anything about them unless you read the program and get their name. And if they weren't there, but an equally good violinist played, you're still going to get the conductor's concept of the piece and the, the beautiful mastery of musicianship that all the musicians share, but not anything individual about that person playing. Jazz group, if the second saxophone player is not there, they bring someone else in, it's going to be completely different. Duke Ellington quite famously, you know, when he had his larger band, he had five saxophones, four trumpets, four trombones. Um, he didn't number the parts like he would in a symphonic orchestra where you have violin one, violin two, etc. Uh, each part had the person's name on it. Uh -huh. In fact, Johnny Hodges, the alto player, quit the band for four years and took the book with him. <laughs> he did. <laughs> that probably went over big with Duke. Now, you started off in classical. I did. And uh, when you made that transition... Was, what was that like for you? What was required of you? Well, I mean, it's it's a big change. Um, and Mike is actually my classical teacher, one of the best teachers I've had of anything ever, Ruth McDonald. I think she figured out I should play jazz before me. And part of the reason for that is she had a doctorate from Juilliard. She had tiny hands. Her pinkies seriously were like an inch. And her whole life, people have been telling her, uh, you can never do this. You can't. Get a real job. <laughs> yeah, you know, go get a real uh, job. Tell them you're never going to make it as a classical pianist. But she did. 
But in order to play some of the larger pieces, like so Rachmaninoff or Lister, so she had to change the notes. And those are those are heavy left-handed. They're both hands, like yeah. big stretches. But but they're like Liszt is is known for right for that that left hand, uh, his difficulty of playing. I thought it was both hands. Are so, yeah. Everything he wrote yeah. was so yeah. difficult. <laughs> he took the Chopin etudes and like would double the notes on both hands. So instead of playing two notes, all these at once, it's insane, you know. <laughs> but um, you, you know, she she was open to jazz because of this. Ver versus. Other classical teachers I had who were, were openly anti-jazz. Because she had to change the notes herself? I think so. Uh, that's uh, really interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Huh. It, it is interesting. And, and, yeah, so there were times, I remember one of the stories you told me is that you guys would uh, sneak into a practice room and be playing jazz, and they'd knock on the door and tell you you have to get out because the serious students. But time, times have changed, but it's true. Me and my, my, my very dear friend, trumpeter Marcus Prenup, uh, we were there, and we were getting interested in jazz, and if we were playing jazz in the practice room, the professors would ask us to leave the room. Really? This is 1986, 85. It's not that long ago. <laughs> Things are slowly changing, but it's, it's still there. Um, even now, you know, I, I'm not teaching um, teenagers anymore. I teach adults, but I've had teenage students come to take jazz lessons with me, and then their classical teacher uh, gives them a uh, ultimatum. Yeah, if you're going to do jazz, you can't study with me. Really? It's, uh, yeah, it's that's yeah, it's 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 still out yeah. there. And I think most of us uh, who you know took piano lessons as kids and, and grew up, grew up with music around them, I. My father had his own, what he called an orchestra, when uh, he was young. And it was his name was Carl Bash at that point, <laughs> and his group was called Carl Bash and his Collegians. Mm -hmm. And not one of them ever saw the inside of a college. <laughs> uh -huh. But uh, and he played banjo, so you know you know what kind of orchestra it was. This this was in the nineteen teens, not the twenty teens, the nineteen teens. Anyway, uh, but man, my mother was a pianist, so we all took you know piano lessons. My four brothers and I, we all took that. Now, when you're when you're young and you take piano, you start off with classical pieces, right? You start off with simplifications of classical pieces. But I, my my peak uh, with classical music was Claire de Lune, and my favorite part of that was I'd play all the way through to the end, and then not play that last chord <laughs> that resolves it all. And my father would jump up off the couch and scream at me, get back here and finish it. <laughs> but the fact that jazz at Lincoln Center, right, which is part of Juilliard, is in this whole separate building. Wow. It's, it's still a thing. You know, <laughs> this is not entirely off the subject, I hope. I had the, the good luck. I was a sportscaster for a long time, and I interviewed a fellow named Gene Conley. Remember Gene yeah. Conley? Uh, the unique thing about Gene was that he pitched for the Red Sox. And played basketball. And played basketball for the Celtics. Celtics. And he talked about the change in personality you had to have. Pitcher, pretty solo. You're out there on that mound by yourself. Now you're on the court, and it's totally different. Is there a change in personality or something that's required or just happens when you go from classical to jazz or jazz to classical? Are these different people? Hockey players are definitely different athletes. Mm -hmm. They behave differently on the ice and off, and 
than uh, baseball players or something. And that's been my experience covering mm -hmm. all these different sports. Is that at all similar? Uh, yeah, I think very similar. Sounds like the same thing, really. I mean, I, I play, I'm a jazz musician. I love all music. I still go home and play Bach, you know, preludes and fugues and Chopin and whatever for my own pleasure and for developing stuff. But I wouldn't perform in public. If I was, I'd have to take some time off from the jazz to do that better. Because the discipline is very different between the two of them. Does your personality, though, I mean, are you more, are jazz players naturally more outgoing, or is that just? Well, the goal, the goal in jazz when you play, oh, this is a great question you're asking. The, the, the idea is the ultimate achievement of music is to play like yourself. Monk said the, the, the person who is a genius is the one who plays most like himself, Thelonious Monk. It's, you know, it's a great quote. Um, and it, that's true for all music, but... When you, when you play a classical piece, you're supposed to render what Beethoven meant, for instance. There's a, there's a famous thing about, this is funny because it's on YouTube right now, it just came up recently, but when Glenn Gould, the great classical pianist, when he came out with his Goldberg Variations, another famous pianist who was known for Bach, Linda Wandowski, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but they had a back and forth in the uh, New York Times arguing about whether Glenn's Gould version was, was right. She was criticizing him, and she tried to end the argument by saying, well, very well, Glenn, I'll play Bach his way, and you can play it yours. <laughs> and that, that, but that shows you like what she values uh -huh. was that someone who's playing like Bach and not themselves. And just recently, there's, there's, there's a really famous piano teacher who's amazing named Seymour. I can't remember his last name. So Netflix docs, docked me about him just called Seymour. But just recently, someone played, um, like they're doing their own kind of podcasting. They played him a clip of Glenn Gold playing and asked him what he thought about, about how Glenn Gold played Bach. And he said, oh, well, you know, I hear Glenn Gould. I don't hear Bach. But he's saying it as a negative. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my favorite pieces of music, even for me personally, but even to share to people who are new to jazz, is Duke Ellington's reconception of the, of, um, the Nutcracker, Tchaikovsky. And it's such an amazing achievement because you can listen to it and you hear Tchaikovsky, but you also hear Ellington. And more importantly, every musician who's playing, you can tell who they are, something about them. It's it's really like 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 a magic show, like Houdini. How how does he pull that off? You know. Um, so it becomes a blend of the two, if you will. Of all of everyone who's no. there, mm. it's really amazing. Yeah. It's it's great, and it's danceable without trying to be commercial. It's not commercial at all. You know, he wrote a lot of classical pieces like that. Mm. You know. I think one of my favorite stories of yours that I'd like to get you to tell is when you were, I think you were still in college, and you were hired to play at what you thought was a jazz program, and you got there, and that wasn't what they thought they hired It's a little do. embarrassing, but I'll tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I lived in Jacksonville, Florida at the time, and uh, Amelia Plantation is this kind of resort community yeah. where like presidents go to stay sometimes. It's about 30 minutes north of, of Jackson when you drive up this little beach kind of highway with uh, you know the oh, the weeping oaks and everything everywhere, just like like you're in Forrest Gump or something. Yeah, right. And um, in other words, even though it's 30 minutes away, it's remote. The agent hired me to go play solo piano for this party. 
you know, I had a new baby. I needed to pay the bills. Um, so I sure I got, I drove all the way up there. Um, they had told me to wear, uh, you know, a, a, a black suit. So, okay. Uh, when I got there, the grand piano was in the center of this dining room with candelabras all over it and all the tables around it. Focus right there. And then the, uh, the event planner who had hired us, hired me, came up to me and says, I want to make sure you start with um, Mozart first. <laughs> and then get a list of things. I, I didn't bring any classical music with me. I have been like just every day only practicing jazz. That's where my love was. In. I mean, it takes, so you can't do it all at once, you know. So I wasn't remotely prepared. And I had, I had a, like a crisis, you know, which is like, <laughs> what's, what is the ethical thing to do here? Do I, I mean, even if I tell her I can't do it, there's no way they're going to get someone else here by now. You know, so what do I do? Do I play? Do I just play jazz? And she just has to take it. And I was young, so I, she didn't come back. I didn't get a chance to talk to her. So I went out there and said at the piano, like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> what did you do? I made up classical. <laughs> and that's what's embarrassing. I, I, I want to be very. I, I felt I felt dirty the whole time. Like I was disrespecting Mozart, and, and it was it was the most cliched stuff possible. You know, like Mozart was happy little things and C's with very nice melodies, and uh, Chopin was in a minor key with lots of chromatics, very sad. And when I played Debussy, it was all these like whole tone cloud sounding things, and Beethoven was just lots of drama, quiet, loud, and, and you know. <laughs> Someone came over to me and says, I've never heard that Beethoven piece before. <laughs> and I lied through my teeth. I say, oh, it's a newly ma newly found manuscript. <laughs> We're not sure if he wrote all of it or if it was finished after his death. Blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I was embarrassed. <laughs> Is there a lesson there somehow of, um, that had you not been a, a jazz, you know, rooted in jazz at this point, would you have been able to pull that off? No, no, no. There, there's, 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 there's an addendum to this story. Is when I got back to the university, I had a friend who was a adjunct classical piano teacher who was very good to me, and I felt like I needed to confess to someone that I had done this travesty. I really felt that way, so I went and told him why I had done, and he says, "Oh, that's impossible." I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "You couldn't do that." You can't imitate in the style. People know you can't do that. That music is so complicated. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm telling you. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> he, says, he says, show me. And he was astonished, which is was strange to me that this masterful musician had never conceived as pro improvisation being a skill. But, but uh -huh. I know so much more now. Yeah. Improvisation is a part of all great music. And it used to be a profound part of classical music. And it wasn't until we got into the age of like when someone performs, they're only performing other people's music that we started getting into like the specialist, this amazing mm -hmm. violinist, Joshua Buff, for instance. He doesn't play, as far as I know, he's not playing songs that he wrote. You know, and he may or may not improvise, I, I don't know, but the skill set that you need to improvise is the same thing you would have to have in 1600s, 1700s, when they didn't have like a, a, a press industry, you couldn't like take a piano lesson mm -hmm. and then go to the corner store and get the complete Bach two-part inventions for your first lesson. The teacher had to teach it to you by ear wow. with the ability to improvise and understand it. But Bach himself improvised when he played, right? They all did, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a story, it's probably apocryphal, that uh, 
when that Beethoven met Mozart. Uh, yeah, and he, he he was asked to play for him, and Mozart wasn't impressed at all. And, Mo, and Beethoven, being who he is, I, I adore Beethoven. Um, mm. Runs back in the room, and says, "No, no, I I won't leave. Uh, give me a theme, and I'll improvise." And Mozart says, "Okay," and he did it. And then the quote is: Mozart says, "Hats off, a genius." <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I probably messed the story up, but it's you know, there's definitely these great stories about Beethoven. Um, he he shows up to perform one of his pieces with the orchestra, and um, I mean, pianos were new, right? And he hadn't played it yet. He sits down. The orchestra always starts when he comes in. When he comes in, the orchestra, the piano is a half step flat. So he just moved it up on the spot. Wow. That's a jazz musician skill. That's the uh -huh. kind of thing in order to improvise and play it in that way. It's part of it. But you know, I do, you know, my favorite things right now are trying to get cla classical and jazz people to do more together. Yeah. You know, I, I want to yeah, please throw something in about that as well. Uh, uh, you know, we were talking about earlier about how some of the classical musicians are classical people look down on jazz. But um, the more open-minded in New Orleans, um, our band got to be fairly popular. We had some really fine jazz musicians in Was this band. Metropolis? This was Metropolis. This was right. a great, great band. Every once in a while, one, on one of the nights, we'd have some of the guys come who were playing with the symphony orchestra there, and they'd come and bring their horns or whatever, and they'd want to sit in with us because they really wanted to try to get that feel. And, and you know, we'd, we'd play something, some funk tune, whatever, and then we'd point to the guy and say take it and um they were excellent musicians so it sounded a little stiff but they grabbed a you know they knew what they weren't playing out of key <laughs> they knew uh -huh. what notes were in the scale or whatever what they were uh -huh. trying to play at the time it just sounded a little stiff but they they loved to, to come because they really wanted to be able to do that and i think you, you had an experience with a, a viola player who thought it, she really wanted oh to my learn God, how I've to improvise. Oh, my God, I've told you all my stories, haven't I? <laughs> well, I'll share them with our audience. Oh, I mean, I was playing with the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra. They hired me for a Pops concert. Um, and piano is technically considered to be a uh, percussion instrument. So if you're not, like, mm -hmm. soloing in front, they put it back in the percussion, which is right behind the viola session section, um, the, uh, the trombones of the symphony. <laughs> they get picked on all the time for some reason, you know. Um, yeah, we'll have to do a podcast sometime on trombone jokes. And why there's no <laughs> piano jokes. There are none. But, but, you know, we did this rehearsal, and uh, playing jazz with a symphony orchestra is very difficult because every minute is filled up with stuff, and there's no cooperation between you and the written music, right? So you're just kind of making stuff on top of whatever they're playing, which is fine, you know. So we had this rehearsal, right? And they got to the part where I improvised like for 32 measures. I made up all my pretty stuff. And then we ran through several times. And I played something different every single time. And this violist who was sitting in front of me turns around and says, you're playing something different every time, aren't you? I said, yeah. So you're improvising. I said, yeah, that's why I did. I showed her on the piece of music how it just had chord symbols and no notes. She says, this is fascinating. She says, are you going to be rehearsing with us tomorrow? I said, yes. She says, um, could you um, 
maybe can we meet like maybe five or ten minutes before and you teach me how to do that? <laughs> no, well, we don't need that long. <laughs> Hence the title of our chapter, Fake It Till You Make It. <laughs> and as we go along, we're gonna, I hope we're going to learn more about the various artists, world-renowned artists that you've performed with and, and know, and throw in tales about these guys. I'm really lucky, I, you know. But it's a jazz thing. We get to, you get to play with everyone. You're almost equals on stage. It's to be playing with some master musician like that I've idolized. And I get to play with him, and I'm I'm treated just like anyone else, like 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 we're equals, like, not like he's the boss. There is the, the right respect of elders and those kind of things, but once you walk on the stage, we're all there to make music. We're all equals. We each get to be ourselves. That's. That's the amazing thing, and you learn from these other people so much. It's a very intimate relationship making with music with people this way.